You are listening to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Liz, today our weird story is in Washington. Washington? Oh, I've Washington. heard of that. You know that place. And actually, you've heard of this story because it was the one you challenged me to talk about. I did. You did. We, I challenged you. You did. The topic. You challenged me. We are going to talk about the geological phenomenon that does actually occur on every continent except Antarctica. But right here in Washington State, specifically 20 miles south of Olympia, it is known as the Mima Mounds. Yeah. Yeah, the Mima Mounds. I've never been there. Mm-mm, me neither. And... I'm excited to, after researching it, after looking at some of the cool pictures. But before we talk about what they look like, let's talk about the name. Because the word Mima, M-I-M-A, didn't mean anything to me. I kind of assumed it was a name, uh, like a, you know, named after like a person. But a pe- Oh, yeah, I thought it was like a village or a community that lived in the area. I mean, I understood it wasn't like Mima, like... right. Right. Pop pop mounds or something. Like. <laughs> no, it. Uh, there's two different thoughts. If you read Thurston County place names, it means a little further along. Or if you are looking at William Bright's Native American place names of the United States, it's a Chinook word that means downstream. Those are both related and unhelpful because they only make sense if you're talking about them in a specific place. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't stand on the Mima Mounds and go, these are the ones that are a little further along. These are a little further along. They're right here. Yeah. They're downstream. No, they're not. We're we're looking at them. What What, are these things? What's your word for right here, Mounds? Yeah, what kind of who's on first situation (laughs) are they trying to set up here? Right, right. And wasn't it like, wasn't it... I'm going to botch it, but isn't there some Australian animal that, you know, the white explorers asked an aboriginal, what is that thing? And they said kangaroo. And so we were just like, cool, it's called a kangaroo. But really, that's the aboriginal word for I don't know. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it's just like, yeah, that thing. Or what, what are you pointing at? There was definitely, there's definitely a city on the East Coast that's named something like wow, your clothes are really bright. Because they were just like, I assume that the things that you say after I say, what is this place called, are in response to my question. <laughs> oh, God love people. God love people. People are so good at naming things, Liz. These mounds, I told you, they occur worldwide. And in the United States, like I said, people are great at naming them. They are called hogswallow mounds. In southern Oregon, they are called prairie mounds if you go over to Colorado, Wyoming, or New Mexico. Or the super fine and delicate folks of Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma call them pimple mounds. Okay, that's still better than what I thought you were going to say. Thank goodness I didn't say what you thought I was going to say, because I think pimple mounds is one of the worst descriptors I've ever heard. Oh, nope. When I was researching the ice worms, uh, there's a term for humped mounds of dirt with grass on them ah. that they used in Alaska that it, sometimes it feels like they were just being racist out of 
like a, a determination you know <laughs> you're like what does this have to do with anything why do you have to put a racial slur in there and they're like well, we gotta we have a quota we have a century we do have a quota i have i have two fairly racist things for you in this episode alone oh that's okay mm-hmm. i don't need that no we'll get to him don't you worry i think that since we've said that pimple mounds are the most evocative name or i've said that pimple mounds are the most evocative <laughs> name i'll describe them and basically okay. mima mounds is now a word that is used kind of globally to describe this geological phenomenon which i thought was really surprising that it was the least descriptive name and yet mm-hmm. it's used worldwide now i guess except in antarctica but it's a very unique branding. It is, right? Specific. You have to think about that one. What would its logo be? <laughs> no, because I don't know what they look like. <laughs> you don't know what they look like. Liz, they looked like they like like astroturfed bubble wrap, dude. Oh, that's very evocative. Thank you. There you go. They they are mounds. I mean, they are low, flattened, circular to ovular, dome-like mounds that cover an area of landscape. So it's like astroturfed bubble wrap. I can visualize that. I can get into that. But how big are we talking here? We're talking large. They are 9 feet up to 150 feet in diameter. Wow. Yeah. And they rise about six feet off the ground and they they form the quote I keep reading is conspicuous natural patterns, meaning it's over an area of landscape. The Mima Mounds National Area Preserve is six hundred thirty seven acres of landscape. Wow. So it really is at, you know, not as far as the eye can see, but as far as you can see for a long ways. These funny little domes of earth all around you. So it's not like you just find one and no. you're like, oh, a Mima mound. Like, no, they're in lines and swirls and stuff. Yeah, is that what a conspicuous natural pattern is? Conspicuous natural pattern just means that it covers a large area. They aren't, they're, they're very randomized. They don't make a spiral. They don't follow, you know, a Fibonacci sequence. They don't make lines, but they are little ice cream scoops of dirt pretty close to each other, not dirt uh, of turf, pretty close to each other in a an area of landscape. Okay. Seriously, like, I mean, I, I wasn't trying just to be funny. Bubble wrap is, is more regulated in, you know, it's like an offset grid, but that's pretty close to how, if you expanded that to landscape size, that's pretty close to how close these mounds are in real life. Yeah, which is not that closely aligned with how hills work right no. like that's not how dirt distributes itself no it's not and uh, you know they're they're hard to talk about i think because they're for me they were kind of hard to conceptualize until i saw pictures until i saw mm-hmm. exactly what we're looking at and realized like no this stretches over a big area of land dude there are a lot of these little mounds hills you know mound sounds too small hill is definitely too big but they are (laughs) liz they're they're a conspicuous natural pattern they look really intentional and they like i feel like if i came over a hill and saw this i would think that i had come across something that either like a farmer was doing or was the result of like burials or something 
Like it, 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 or it, yeah, you would be like, what is going on with this? This is not just hills. This right. is bubbles. Bubbles. This is ground bubbles. Yes, ground bubbles. Why are they? Well, so your, your logic, your line of thinking is right in line with what the first white people who saw them thought. I mean, of course, white people, you know, Caucasian settlers were not the first people to interact with Mima Mounds because they had been part of the landscape that Native Americans had inhabited for thousands of years. But well, that's informative in itself, though. It is right. So we know they've It'd been be around. It'd be scary if you came out just one day and your whole <laughs> field was like that. Well, it'd be like crop circles. Would be like crop circles. Definitely, my face has come up with a whole bunch of Mima mounds in <laughs> one day. Oh no! Oh no! But no, they were first. I guess come to the attention of white settlers in 1841 when Captain Charles Wilkes, who was leading the U.S. Exploring Expedition. Exploring Expedition is a lot, but the he was leading the U.S. Exploring Expedition that was charting the Northwest. And okay. his journals are what record, you know, the first that we know of white people interaction with him, where he says, We soon reached Butte Prairies, which are extensive and covered with tumuli or small mounds at regular distances asunder. As far as I could learn, there is no tradition among the natives relative to them. They are conical mounds, 30 feet in diameter, about 6 to 7 feet high above level, and many thousands in number. And now I'm wondering, did they not have a story about that, or did they just not tell him? <laughs> well, They're like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's- <laughs> it's like me where it's like, what happened to the last ice cream bar? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure. It's I guess wild. It's just, you know. Strange world, lots of things happen. Yep. Well, okay, so you picked up on that. The The current population was like, I don't know what they are, but Captain Wilkes was pretty sure that they looked like burial mounds to him. And, of course, burial mounds have valuable relics inside. So even though the Native Americans had said, there's nothing in there, and Captain Wilkes was pretty sure there was something in there, and it was related to, you know, dead people, he was like, let's open them up and figure it out. Uh, uh, yeah, they were correct to not tell him anything yeah. because he is apparently a grave robber. Total jackass grave robber. Yeah, what he writes in yeah. his journal is, being anxious is to ascertain if they contained relics. I subsequently visited these prairies and opened three of the mounds, but nothing was found in them but a pavement of round stones. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing where it's like if you're in the UK, you do find those burial mounds yeah. and barrows and stuff with hordes of yeah. treasure. But for all he knows, this is like going into Westminster Abbey yeah. with a shovel and just prying up rocks. Yeah. Like, the, you don't know. You don't. They didn't say... And we don't care if you dig them up. That's how boring they are. <laughs> and knock yourself out there, duder. Yeah, have fun. Help yourself. <laughs> I, I didn't say we weren't going to use them. I just said <laughs> you didn't need to worry about it. I didn't say it was okay to wreck them. <laughs> yeah, Captain Wilkes needed a talking to. Yeah. Captain Wilkes was not the last person to guess what the hell these mounds are. Why were they created? How were they created? What are they made of? 
And Wait, so back to Captain Wilkes, he didn't dig into one, though? He was just like, note to self, come back and oh, no, he dug, grave rob these. He dug into three of them and oh, said okay. he just found a pavement of round stones. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so they did not contain relics, didn't find anything that he thought was unusual or out of place in them. And that's kind of what modern-day scientists have said. You know, even though Mima mounds vary by region and sometimes the mounds within a certain area vary a little bit as to their composition, they generally are all a blanket of prairie grass over loose sand and fine gravel and decayed plants. And sometimes the soil profile is a little bit different or a little more complex. Like in particular, I guess, in the Mima Mounds, there are a few, in in the Mima Mounds in Washington, I should say, there are a few that folks have, that scientists have dug into, and they realized that they contained more than the average amount of carbon and charcoal, and huh. they found out that it's because the Native Americans in the area used to set brush fires as plant control and cultivation and things like that. So scientists yeah. are like, oh, cool. So we can see, you know, that this is, there was a fire here years and years and years ago, centuries and centuries and centuries ago. And so that's okay. altering the carbon profile of the soil. But that's a kind of sophisticated analysis that you're not going to be pulling off on an expedition. Totally not. A couple hundred years earlier. Totally not. What what Captain Wilkes sees is probably what you or I or most people would see, which is like, okay, well, this looks a lot like the dirt that is the dirt from around here. All right. Cool. Sure some dirt. Sure some dirt. So we know what they're made of, but still, why are they formed? What what caused the Mima Mounds? And there are theories that range from dry, natural geological processes to very interesting, fantastical theories involving everyone from Paul Bunyan to aliens being responsible. We have, see, this is the sweet spot. Yes. We're like, here's what a scientist would tell you, and here's somebody who has a very active imagination, <laughs> here's what they would tell you. Here is their super colorful theory. Yep. Do you, I know that you've kind of read about the Mima Mounds. Are there any theories that you want to throw forward or that you've heard? I only read enough about them as I was sort of scanning them and adding them to the list that I know they're not burial mounds. Yes. So I'm a step up from Captain Wilkes, <laughs> I guess. I, I think they are a natural phenomenon, but I have the feeling that it is going to be like, like the rocks that slide around yeah. or the singing sand or something yeah. where I say that I want to understand how it works. And then people try to explain to me how it works. And my brain just goes, mm-hmm, the goblins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Okay. Yeah. The sliding stones um, of stone track playa are not, it, it's not, oh my God, it is not frost under the rocks that melts and makes them slide. It is obviously ghouls. I will broker no scientific theory on that. Because, yeah, that's one of those things where I'm like, well, I guess it'd be cool to know. But actually, deep down, it wouldn't be cool to know. Let me keep wondering what pushes these rocks at night. It feels like, have you been following the whole Reddit glitter thing? Oh, God, yes. Did you see that there's a show that says they solved it? No. What does that show say it is? They say that it's the boating industry 
that so okay so to back up okay. for people who aren't familiar with right. us because we're reddit millennials we're not like tiktok millennials no, no. as much as <laughs> that means we have mortgages that means we have but, mortgages but if you're on reddit you should go see r slash tiktok cringe and it's actually uh, if you sort by be- uh top they're really good they're not cringy at all they're wonderful i love tiktok it's like vine's younger brother I, it makes me happy. I don't understand the meme where you only see one person come into frame and then the song is playing and a bunch of people pop out. And yeah, dancing, neither do it I. makes me giggle every time. It's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so someone posted this mystery and it was in, I think, the New York Times or the Washington Post or something about basically establishing that there is an industry that uses tremendous amounts of glitter mm-hmm. that is a closely held trade secret. Mm-hmm. And if you found out what it was, it would be very devastating for them. And I think they also said something about, like, it's in plain sight. They just don't want people to know that it's glitter. And, of course, this brought on rampant speculation about what it might be. And notably for for my purposes, in terms of how satisfying I find the boat paint explanation... (laughs) The the very next thing they actually talk about is automotive paint. Okay. And I'm like, there's no, I grew up around boats. Like, it's not a secret that there's a lot of glitter in boat paint. Right? That's how boats look. Like, they they look like the kind of fancy nails that you've got to sit for an hour and a half to get at the salon. Absolutely. Like, they're very fancy, acrylic, shellicked. glitter everywhere so although i guess i'm not saying like you didn't uncover anything interesting it's like no they definitely verified that the boat paint industry uses a ridiculous amount of glitter and that's worrisome because of microplastics in the ocean and so forth but i'm like that's not it no that's just that can't be it that's not surprising at all to me. Yeah, boats are supposed to look like the bowling ball that you and your brother fought over who got to use at the bowling alley in 1983. What I liked as the theory was that it's in toothpaste. That made sense to me. Because that yeah. it's it's in toothpaste. And see, that would be the kind of thing where you're like, it is in plain sight, but we don't like to think that we're putting glitter into our mouths. Totally. Something consumable. Yeah. Whereas people are trying to say, well, they don't want you to know about the glitter because of microplastics no. in the ocean. I'm like, that's not on enough people's radar. It's not. Like, I know everybody decided to have a little wank fest about straws and try to make people with disabilities' <laughs> lives more difficult because we all want to blame it on, hmm. We want to blame it on people just trying to live their lives yeah. rather than accept the industrial contribution yeah. to the destruction of the oceans. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, that's not going to affect people. No. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. About oceans getting more plastic from boats. No. Like, that's not... That's that's not devastating. No. So I'm like, glitter in toothpaste made sense to me. I don't buy the cosmetics thing. No, I that's like obvious. We all know you're not supposed to get glitter in your eyes, and there's a difference between cosmetic glitter and craft glitter. Totally. It can really fuck you up. But, like, again, that's not it. No. It would have to be something... It, see, it gets in your brain, though, because you're like, okay, so what is something where it's in plain sight, but nobody thinks about mm-hmm. it? And so... You turn it over all the time because you right. can rule a lot of stuff out. You're like, well, it's not in like dog food or baby yeah. formula. Yeah. It's not in plain sight in that way. Yeah. So 
where the hell is it? Yeah. Where's the glitter? Where's the glitter? Where's the glitter, man? It was not bow paint. <laughs> bow paint. I, b- <laughs> no, I think I do think that bow paint is a red herring. I'm going to go with toothpaste as the, I've, I've definitely not read another theory and I sure as shit haven't come up with a better theory. I Mm-mm. drew a total blank when they said in plain sight would kind of rock your world in a bad way if you figured out what it was. I can only think of something that you put in your body and the only thing I can think of that I put in my body, <laughs> one of the few things I can think of that mm-hmm. I put in my body that is glittery would be toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah, toothpaste could kind of make sense. Right. Like it's presumably not in a food product because the FDA has regulations around that. Yeah. Similarly, I don't think it's in medication. Like, no. You know, that would, that's pretty closely scrutinized as an industry in terms, I mean, like, the, the whole generic and patent thing means that the formulas of medications are really closely held and carefully detailed. Right. So it's not that. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not lotion. Like, we've all had shimmery lotions or whatever. Oh, yeah, That's forever. Not news. Oh, my God. <sighs> Toothpaste is the closest I can think of. But even then, I'm like, would that really rock people's world if they found out there was glitter in toothpaste? It definitely makes me feel... Well, it definitely elicits a reaction from me. I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but it's one of those, oh, I didn't know I was eating plastic bits, you know? I didn't. Well, why would your teeth not be glittery, though, after you brush your teeth? Is it, like, really, really, really fine glitter? Hmm. I don't know. Glitter never sticks where you want it to stick. If I wanted it to stick to my teeth so that I had that cartoon, like, bing! shine you know it wouldn't happen <laughs> no you like fury road witness me and then you just like shake a bunch of glitter into your mouth with some mod podge. oh my goodness <laughs> yes yes i recently yeah, no. i recently did a craft at becca's halloween party that involved glitter on a witch hat and jason wouldn't let me bring it home because he brought up the deal we made after our wedding which was that i will not allow glitter to come into our home knowingly because we still find some of my green glitter from my wedding shoes which i haven't had in nine years in his beard Okay, that's pretty impressive. I I, between my crafting stuff and having a six-year-old girl, I definitely have plenty of glitter around. And she will just, like, she had glitter as dandruff for a while Oh, my there goodness. Because we only washed her hair once a week. Yeah. And she's got pretty thick hair, so I would try to brush, and, like, the glitter's just like, no, I'm staying here on the scalp. Yeah, I'm here. And I was like, how did you get glitter in your hair, this much glitter? How? Mu- how? Mm-hmm. how did-? And she's like, I don't know. And then I was just brushing her hair for, for, for glitter, and she was like, I guess maybe it was when Caden poured all the glitter in my hair. And I'm oh. like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, could be. Could, <laughs> could be. be. I will never know. Nope. It's a mystery to this day. Yep. Much like the meme amounts. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it back around. I'm glad we brought up the <laughs> glitter thing, though, because I have theories and opinions well Uh, it's a good one and i want to talk about i've wanted to talk about it on the show but how do you make it specific to the pacific northwest well guess what (laughs) life finds a way yeah it does Mm -hmm. when we talk about theories let's start with the kind of plausible ones and then we'll work our way to the fun weird ones that's the ticket it's so what we do around here When I was researching the kind of plausible geological phenomenon theories, a lot of them involved glaciers, 
which yeah. is not really weird for the Pacific Northwest because we have those, what are they called? The the erratic stones or the, the alien stones? The, the, they're the giant fucking boulders that have been deposited yeah. in random ass places around the PNW because of the Missoula flood or because of the, the glacial ice sheets that used to cover this area and pushed these rocks mm-hmm. from somewhere to the middle of nowhere. So that's not, it's not a weird theory, I don't think. You know, in 1913, we've got a geologist named Harlan Bretz, whose theory was that when a glacier is melting, it melts at different rates, and it will form these things called sun cups, where it's a depression, a divot in the glacier, you know, that's melting more rapidly, the sun's striking it just right or whatever. And that's where soil will wash into it and kind of you have this little sediment slurry in the bottom of this sun cup and so when the whole glacier melts you've got these tiny little depressions that are full of sediment that when they touch ground they're like oh cool now we are a mound that makes sense yeah because it's not like when you get a heavy snow and it melts it all melts evenly like even just a little drip from a tree or something right. will make a surprisingly deep divot. Right. Or like in the, you know, Everest where they've got the, what are they called? The Sarax, the ice Sarax, which are just these giant big pillars of ice that are formed uh-huh. because the sun melts stuff in weird ways. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Water's an odd substance. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it's, it, it confounds us, I think. It confounds us because it's both very, very powerful, but also sometimes it's very hard to see what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't really conceptualize that our river made the Grand Canyon. No. Like, I think we can say it, but we're like, no. No, that doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. Are you kidding me? Water carved all the way down there? Uh-uh. Yeah, I can pick water up with my hand. With my hand. I put that on my face. That's not what it does. <laughs> More okay, so I I would buy that yeah. just because I feel like almost anything around here or wherever is explainable by you know these major I don't even know what you would call them they're climate events and they're geologic events totally but yeah ice sheets glaciers floods yeah all that kind of stuff yeah they they check out and they're the kind of thing that it wasn't until relatively recently that we were able to get a broad enough perspective and to know how to zoom in our perspective, whether it was, you know, way, way out Mm -hmm. to see the caldera of Yellowstone or way, way in to get it like carbon dating. Yeah. We haven't really been able to recreate that stuff for very long. So I could buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just said some of the other like glacial theories, which are floods, you know, there are sediment rich deposits that happen after glacially dammed lakes are freed. You know, and then that was a a theory. It was also posited that permafrost at the end of a glacial area would have cracked into these like many sided shapes and ice formed in the cracks. And then as the climate warmed, the ice melted and the soil was left in these kind of rounded shapes, you know, because the ice drove in there in these wedges and broke it apart. And then you've also got, you know, runoff from glacial meltwater or snowpack is just eroding soil between trees and shrubs, and that leaves the kind of dirt around in a mound. And the trees and shrubs aren't there anymore, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have been there 
and that's what happened in this this geological event. That'd be kind of cool. It's yeah. like a fossil mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's another theory is that there were ancient forests in the area and the mounds are the remains of the decayed stumps around which the windborne soil and sediment formed. Oh. Um, I, that was the theory that I thought was likely was that they were, it's a word called aeolian. And okay. you see it on beaches when there is a plant growing in an area that has a lot of loose sediment and wind as the wind carries that soil, that sediment, that dirt, whatever, it can get caught on the plants and then you create sand dunes, effectively. Uh, alien you know? like the god of wind. Yeah, there okay. you go. So get you get it. Because so, they do look like dunes. They're like inland yeah, dunes, yeah. which are fascinating in their own right. Yeah. It's, so that seemed like a really likely theory to me. We've got other scientists who are saying, no, 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 it's not wind, it's it's seismic. So Andrew Berg is a geologist for the U.S. Bureau of Mines in Spokane. Shout out to our hometown boy. And one of his, or, you know, his theory, the thing that, that he really thinks has formed these, is that it's possible that they're from earthquakes generating vibrational shock waves. And so those travel through the soil and the mounds form as a result when the earth settles again. I would understand this much better if I'm going to assume Dr. Berg could show me (laughs) with like a a sandbox, maybe like one of those turtle sandboxes. And some playground sand <laughs> and like a hammer, yeah, or to to simulate the tectonic plate shifting, the shock waves. Maybe we can like bury my hand under it, and then I can have my hand come out <laughs> as is a big hit with the two year old crowd. I just need to see how this works because I can't really visualize how the shock waves would do that. Although I can't rule it out. I mean, every yeah. It feels like every place on Earth is perpetually in that cycle of going from really, really disrupted to flat and back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I believe it regardless. If you're like, this is getting flatter, I'm like, okay. You're like, these mountains are getting higher. I'm like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Works great. If you can't show me in a sandbox, I'm not listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, oh my God. I just want everybody to make science. Okay. That tactile. Yeah. Dr. Berg, meet us. Mobius. Yeah. New Year's Eve 2020. We'll, we'll meet you there. It'll be like Sleepless in Seattle, and you're going to tell us all about this. I'll be wearing a red carnation. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> no, not with that much sand around. <laughs> kidding. It's going to get where you don't want it to get, no matter how many clothes you wear. <laughs> that's the secret of glitter. It's like, that's the secret. All sand is glitter. All sand is glitter. What the, what the beach industry doesn't want you to know. <laughs> and it's like how sea glass is all frosted over uh, because of the, the way yeah, of action. It's froze to cross. Froze to cross. <laughs> it's froze to cross. <laughs> you had too much fun with William Clark's journal. I told you that there were some weird theories as well, and also some racist yeah. theories. So let's do Uh-oh. one that knocks out both of those. Paul Bunyan hired a bunch of Irish men to help him build the American Great Wall of China. Yes. And yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to wait till you finish <laughs> yeah, I, what I'm going to charitably call a thought. A, here. Th- a thought. 
and that the the lazy Irishmen walked off the job because they were lazy Irishmen, and they just dumped their wheelbarrows full of dirt wherever they wanted, and thus formed the Mima Mounds. That's not even a logical racist story. <laughs> are there like, are, are there a, any that American, are logical? A great well, well, at least there's somewhere it's like. They're trying to put people down, and so they attribute stuff to them mm. that a human would do if they were lazy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is just like, no, it was a great wall to keep who where. <laughs> and why did they line up all their dirt mm-hmm. like bubble wrap? Mm-hmm. This doesn't even make a little sense. Nope. This wasn't even Paul Bunyan's job. He wasn't a manager. He wasn't a manager. He wasn't building a wall. He was cutting down trees with his ox and his girlfriend with the big bustle, and she rode a catfish or whatever. Or that was this is extremely sloppy. That was Pecos Bill. I don't know. We just wanted to. We just wanted to harp on the Irish that day, and Apparently. you know we had the Mima Mounds handy, and we knew there weren't Native Americans buried inside of them. So that's. I mean, that's that's the dumbest theory I guess I heard because, like you said, it's not even grounded in in anything that I can get behind. The weirdest theory I could find was that they have been created by aliens as a form of communication. The contact theory. It, yeah, and like I don't understand. I mean, dude, are they like are they are they visual Morse code or are they like Braille? Do the aliens come down and touch them to get a message? I don't understand how they're supposed to work because they're not like the Nazca lines who form at least a pictogram. Yeah, are, are they communicating to us? Cause yeah, are you, yeah, what? yeah, because we're not getting the message. It's been a couple thousand years and we didn't get the message, we've, so we've, that's awkward. We've, we've been leaving them on red for a long them. time. <laughs> they slid into our DMs and we just didn't even answer back. We decided yeah. it was more likely that a fake tall man with a fake blue ox really didn't like an entire race of people. That was more logical. They were making a dirt wall, apparently. Well, yeah, they were making a dirt wall of China. The, the The problem with the alien theory, obviously, we've just come across a couple of them. But also, I was really bummed because when I first started researching them, I thought I'd bring you some kind of alien or UFO story because we haven't haven't really dug into like abductions or extraterrestrial things beyond. Foo Fighters or some cattle mutilation, but this is one of those problems that I think you and I have a lot, which is just blog after blog after blog says, oh yeah, one of the theories is aliens, but it never attributes it to anything, it never gets specific, and it just feels like it's this big, you know, tail chase of which blog originated this story. How can I find the singularity where where this theory started? Yeah, you're like, no, who actually thinks that it's aliens and what do yeah. they have to say yeah. about it? Not just like, well, some people think it's whatever. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a big planet. I'm sure you can find somebody who thinks anything, but like, what's the logic? Yeah. What's the, I mean, not to be like a meme from five years ago, but it's like that History Channel guy, right? He's <laughs> going, aliens. Aliens. <laughs> you're like, what about aliens? Like, they're communicating what with us? Does it bother them that we haven't figured it out? <laughs> Does, why, like, that's just such an inefficient yeah. method. Yeah, that is the full and total theory. Aliens. Aliens. Well... It wasn't aliens, Liz, because in 2013, scientists (gasps) cracked it. Whoa. BBC, 
Seattle Times and many other major news outlets were reporting in December 2013 that scientists had finally proven the origin of the mounds, with the American Association for Advancement of Sciences headline reading, Mima Mound, Mystery Solved. And Live Science's December 4th headline was much less coy and said, Great Pyramids of the Gophers, Mima Mounds Mystery Solved. Oh boy. Oh boy is right. Well, what scientists found by studying pocket gophers in San Diego was that pocket gophers, when they dig, they push soil upwards, not downward, apparently. They will kick it out of their burrows into a mound-like shape. And these same scientists also discovered that a typical Mima mound is about the size of a very territorial pocket gopher's home range. Earlier in the episode, I said that they were anywhere from 9 to 150 feet in diameter. So that doesn't quite scan for me, but I will say that I'm not a zoologist and I certainly don't study pocket gophers or mounds, so I don't know what typical is in this space, you know. So the premise is that basically this is like the spoil, the excavation dirt. Do pocket gophers live like in little pocket gopher suburbs? Like they each have their own little dig and that's why the piles are there next to each other? That was kind of the theory, right? Was that they're each digging their own, that these mounds aren't necessarily just the the what did you call it? It was a great word for it. The the excess spoil? the spoil. Yeah. They weren't just the they weren't just the discarded soil because apparently well, I gotta go into this a little bit more not chronologically, but I think linearly. For a gopher to have created this mound or these mounds, apparently it would take five hundred to seven hundred years and many, 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 many hundreds of generations of gophers digging to create mounds of this size. The reason why they would create mounds like this, scientists speculated, was that the area in which Mima mounds are often found is typically waterlogged. So they thought, okay, so the gophers aren't, you know, the the mounds aren't full of gopher holes, necessarily. They're not full of, like, this little subterranean dwelling. But it does make an area of land above the water table. So when the water is, or when the ground is waterlogged, there is an area of land for the pocket gophers to get up above that water line. And the pocket gophers don't build their homes in those because they're just not evolved to do it. It hasn't occurred to them. I don't know. that. That's where the theory broke down for me. But dude, scientists were sure that this was it. They, they were positive. Their 3D modeling showed that, yeah, it's possible for a pocket gopher to make this kind of structure. And whether or not they actually live within the mound, there could be reasons for them to do it. You know, meaning they need land to get above the water table for. Are there pocket gophers around every place or, or similar creatures around every place with Mima? Mounds? Hey, guess what? There are not. Which is why I'm so good you at are so good at science, which is why I was really surprised that the internet caught on to it was totally gophers when we know that they occur on six of the seven continents. Pocket gophers do not occur on six of the seven continents. 
the ones in South Africa, scientists were like, well, they're not pocket gophers, they're termites. Termites are creating these mounds. We their, know what termite mounds look like. We know what termite mounds look like. And also, you know, thank, thank goodness that scientists like you, <laughs> not like me, who's just like, there's glitter in our toothpaste. Scientists like you <laughs> who are going, <laughs> who are going, wait a minute, that doesn't, that dog doesn't really hunt. Continued to research it and not just say, oh, okay, whatever. That's a good enough theory. That's the best one we've we've come up with. Listen, good enough theory doesn't get you five-year grants from NIH. (laughs) (laughs) I can do better, is what you tell the government. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I tell you what, a scientist said they could do better. And six months after this, so 2014... The headline that Live Science came out with mysterious earthen meme mounds created by plants, not animals. Burrowing plants. Burrowing plants. Of <laughs> <laughs> little Audrey's. It was, yeah, it was Audrey Twos. We're just doing their chain chomp Mario plant eaten shit through the earth and creating these giant barfed up mounds of dirt. The end. Yeah, what? No, what was the actual explanation? The actual explanation is that it's it's a lot like the Aeolian theory that we talked about earlier uh, yeah, yeah. with a little bit of, of extra. So what the University of Cape Town researcher, Professor Kramer, and his team said, you know, it's problematic to attribute these to animals because pocket gophers, termites, animals that have digging and mounding behavior do not occur wherever mounds are found. However, it sounds like vegetation spatial patterning could be the cause for this. And what that is, is when you've got plants, individuals or small groups will spread out their roots and they drain the surrounding area of water and nutrients And so their little areas remain fertile. And because there's now areas of desert, basically, between these plants, that erodes and naturally causes this hillock, right? And then not only do you have that, you've got the Aeolian factor where you've already got a high point with things clinging to it. Mm -hmm. Any wind that comes by and stirs up shit is going to definitely deposit said soil and shit on these mounds, further increasing their size. Yeah, and then any other little plants that can live, like, in the shadow of the original are going to die and contribute dirt to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess the part that's giving me frustration is I feel like there should be a way to determine whether the mounds are composed in a fashion that you would expect from dirt being moved Mm -hmm. or or like like in the way that an animal Mm -hmm. would or whether they've sort of accreted around a point right doesn't it seem right like there's a difference between scooping sugar out of a jar and making cotton candy oh absolutely yeah doesn't it seem like you could slice into it like a piece of cake and pull out this you know chunk and be like oh okay the sediment in here shows that yeah the the stuff that should be at the top of a soil layer is at the bottom. You know, a gopher is digging and it's depositing the closest to the ground stuff on the bottom of this new yeah. mound. And as it digs deeper, that gets higher up. I mean, but, I... But they're very old, right? 
So They're quite old. Maybe it's like you could know if it was new, but after hundreds of years of settling and weather and plants being on top of it, yeah. you can't tell. You can't tell? And it's six feet? I mean, that's you're still just within, like, the Earth's crust. Or mm-hmm. the, you know, so maybe there isn't that much of a difference. I don't know, and scientists don't for sure know either. My theory is, I think it's got to be a combination. I think it just happens to be, what is it called when it's um, uh, covergent evolution? You know, where like pigeons and humans or pigeons and mammals both developed a milk-like substance to feed their young. But they Mm. are so far apart from each other. It's not like evolutionarily they they came up with these things and continued to branch. They're they're on totally different limbs of the tree here, but they both happen to hit on a thing that works to feed young. You know, so okay. my thought is that it's like this convergent evolution, but whatever the geological equivalent is, where it's like, well, some of these you know mounds can be found formed in a couple different ways. It could be seismic activity, and that's what's happening here over there. Yeah, some some gophers are just absolutely super industrious in making mounds. Over this way, it's the vegetation spatial patterning stuff. You know, uh, I'm super far out of my element here. I feel like I know more when I'm talking about ghosts than the real world, but I I don't know that it's logical to assume all Mima mounds are formed in the exact same way. I track that, and I have a slightly different theory okay. that has the same part as yours, which is that I think there may be some kind of geological phenomenon where if you have an accretion point, you can get that aeolian effect, yeah. right? Whether it is maybe not a super industrious gopher, maybe just a gopher made a little mound mm-hmm. that was a foot high, and right. then over hundreds of years it became more, or right. termites, or whatever, right. or a plant. And so there's an end product that looks very similar right. from place to place, but the initial point that stuff started to accrete around could be gophers, or seismic activity, right. or plants, or something else. Right. And just because it comes, like, yeah, like what you're saying, that just because it looks the same in the end or similar doesn't mean that it has the same origin. Like, again, to go back to the ancient aliens guy, like, <laughs> why why are there pyramid-shaped things in Central America and in North Africa? Because well, yeah. that's the best way to pile up a lot of rocks and have them not fall down. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, a, a pyramid is just an organized heap. Yep. And so a meme amount maybe is a disorganized <laughs> heap that you get if conditions are right and you have that little scratchy initial mm-hmm. factor mm-hmm. and that can come from a lot of different sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have whatever that little thing is, but at the, it's still a little tiny bit of sand in the oyster that it's going to form that pearl mm-hmm. around. Yes, you got what I was thinking about. Yeah, I pulled that right out of your brain. Yeah, dude, all mm-hmm. all I know is that I am not buying the Paul Bunyan theory. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable pulling <laughs> that one out. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I want to go roll down the I was just thinking like we that. roll down the hill yeah. behind Ran Prairie. Yeah, I want to roll down yeah. one hill, but they're close enough. I want to see how far I roll. How much does that momentum carry me up the next hill? <laughs> I think that'd be a really good a little, roller coaster. a little roller coaster, right? Oh my god, I would get so nauseated. Oh I'd get so motion sick. 
You have to. Why couldn't they have said like long ago? Many children were fighting, and so instead of having them fight over who was king of the hill, God made a million hills. Wow! To make them realize how pointless this was. <laughs> I was gonna say so that they could each be king in his own right, and you were just like, so they all realized they were dumbasses. <laughs> maybe the earth is just cold oh my god and it's, there's it's goosebumps. goosebumps oh it's goosebumps i don't why don't they call them goosebump mounds that's better than pimple that's mounds. way better have you ever ever called them um have you ever heard somebody call them goose pimples i hate that i hate that too. yeah goosebumps is cute I don't even like the word palimpsest because it makes me think of pimples. Okay, tell me what the word palimpsest is because I've never heard it. It's not a word you encounter much. It's kind of like being allergic to star anise. It doesn't really affect my life that much. (laughs) But that, like, in the olden days when you would write, like, left to right, top to bottom, all the way across something, and then you would either, like, flip it and write across it. You know, yes. so that you can basically write twice on the yep. same piece of paper and you're filling it in. Yeah. It's for some reason a lot of authors like to use it as a metaphor. Like they're like, you know, his skin was a palimpsest of scars and tattoos telling you about his life. And I'm like, stop it. Stop it. I hate that word. Oh my God, that's pretentious. I mean, the word is fine, whatever. I don't, I don't dig it, but I don't hate it. But I really do hate the, his skin was a palimpsest. Yeah, and it's it's like pimple and incest. In ew, word. It just, ew, it needs banned. Ew, oh, it needs to be banned. That word as a is word. absolutely stricken from the record. Go away, mm-hmm. pimply incest. Sick. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goose pimples. Goose, goose pimples. Yeah, so palimpsest. Gone. Paul Bunyan. You're out of here. Aliens. Not enough evidence. Try again. Although, you know, goosebumps are exactly the same thing in a way because they're they're the hair follicles, right? The, that it's, yeah. The skin just doesn't spring up into those shapes spontaneously. No. It's because there are things protruding, protruding. I, that it gathers around. Yeah, and I, I read that it's your, your when you're cold, you get goosebumps because your little arm hairs are trying to raise up and trap as much heat close to your skin as it can. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's like a Green door trying to keep out a hurricane. What is happening, yeah. little dudes? No, what, well, you're not keeping in anything just by raising up on little stocks. I just... Mm-mm, good effort. Good effort, but no. What I'm going to do to keep in my heat is get fat. Let's make some <laughs> blubber. I'm, I'm a C-type mammal, yeah. not the land type. Uh-uh. No. You might be confused by the fact that I'm on land all the it's, time. But. It's possible, but I clearly do not have a pelt. I clearly was meant to put on a lot of weight very rapidly so that I could submerge myself in water all day. Thank you. Safely. Do you think that animals like seals and sea lions, are they just cold all the time? I don't think they are. I think, aren't they supposed to be warm all the time? I guess I'm just wondering if it bothers them. If it bothers, that's like, a good point. Let's because I mean, you you would be born to it, right? Yeah. Like you would just have to deal with it. But are their lives just kind of a little shittier than if they lived someplace where it wasn't so freezing all the time? <laughs> right. Or yeah. does it not make a difference to them? I don't. Well, hmm. I don't. I don't really need to know either oh. way because it will perturb me. Like. 
have you heard of Greenland sharks? Yeah. They're like the sharks that live for yeah. hundreds of years yeah. and they all their teeth fall they out. They all fall out. And every single Greenland shark goes blind because they get these parasites that get oh. on their eyeballs. Oh. And th- when I heard about that, it bothered me for like a month. Like, oh. I would seriously just lie there in bed thinking about, like, why don't we just take the parasites off <laughs> for the poor Greenland sharks? Oh, why can't we just go do that? Why can't we? They don't need to go blind. It's like, they don't have anything to fucking Were see. You- <laughs> like they, Were you thinking they this? They live underwater. They live under the ice. You- Look, it's, it, is, it is their way of being. Like, oh there's no God. philosophical or... Or zoological logic to what you're worried about, but it just troubled me greatly. Were you pregnant while you were having this crisis? No, I just like yeah, this. Yeah, you're just like this. That's so not Scorpio of you. I had to look it up for you while you were talking. Do sea lions get cold? According to CoralWorldV.com, they are able to maintain their high body temperature, which is between 95 and 98 degrees, and they help keep heat in. However, a sea lion can get cold. That's so sad. So they can get cold, buddy. I'm really sorry. They're like your Greenland sharks with the blind eyes. I I have enough worry for all the creatures of the yeah. earth, all the people, and all the creatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the problem with watching nature documentaries, right? Yeah. You don't want the lioness and her cubs to starve, no. but you also don't want to see the gazelle go down. Heck no. No, why can't we all just eat... I was going to say, why can't we all just have a hamburger? And then that's complicated, Devin. <laughs> Shh, nobody tell Devin. <laughs> no one tell me. Nobody tell Devin what beef No, is. I don't want to know. I just like my burgers. Oh, have you tried the Impossible Burger yet? I have not, but it's on my list. Have you? Yeah, I want to check it out. No, I haven't tried it, but often... Often I find the there, there's some stuff that you cannot substitute. Bacon is definitely one of mm-hmm. them. Like meat bacon is, and I'm not trying to do the whole like thing we were all into five years ago. Like bacon, blah blah oh, blah. Oh yeah, blah. right. I'm I'm so hedonistic. Bacon's but, my personality. But vegan, like Morningstar Farms bacon, is like somebody photocopied bacon <laughs> onto a paper towel. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> no, I'd rather I'd rather have the memory of what bacon truly is than the cheap semaculum that makes my palate yeah. sad. Yeah, it's kind of like like a Ludovico technique to make you not miss real bacon. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you liked bacon? No, you no, don't. You don't. No, you don't want you bacon. Don't want it because this is what Take it is. Another bite of this paper towel. <laughs> Try thinking about bacon again. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Where's well, I like the buffalo? Like <laughs> Morningstar, please sponsor us. Uh, okay. Hell, dude. I think you did a really good job with this episode. Thank I'm, you. I'm very much looking forward to sharing it with the world. I'm looking forward to sharing it with the world. I would really like to know what people's theories are as to how the meme amounts form, and I'd really like to know if anybody's gone to it, because I've read a bunch of blogs, I've seen the photos, I've read the National Park website. It, it, I mean, it sounds really cool, but I want to know, like, what does it feel like there? Do you do you notice the change in height? Do you walk up and down them and go, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, you're like the Joker when only one of the building blows up, and you just <laughs> kind of throw your hands out, and that's it, I guess. Or is it cool? Yeah, plus I, as you know, believe that I have some kind of magic insight and that if I just oh, went yeah. and like 
was on one, yeah. I would somehow know more than people would. who do geology for a totally. living. If you laid hands on it, <gasps> you would be... It was the Irish. <laughs> it was a conspiracy, though. <laughs> that wasn't even, like, who moved dirt around in the Northwest. God, that's a lazy story. I know, isn't it bad? Uh, there you go, Liz. That's the Mima Mounds. Nice work, my friend. Thank you very much. Folks, we would love if you continue this Mima Mound conversation with us on social media, where you will find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Social memia. Did I, did I slur? Did I? No, I just said social memia. Oh, memia. I thought you said menia. Yeah, I obviously misheard. We would like you to join us on social memia. I'm just mad because I didn't think of it. <laughs> myself as well as you will be able to find these and other show notes on our website weejabrods.com you can find us on patreon.com where you can throw a couple of bucks our way if you'd like help us pay for said website hosting we are also on the podcatcher of your choice you can find us on podbean on itunes we are where else are we liz did i list them all yeah, sure. I think I did. Well, folks, with that, we certainly hope that you live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Nice work, bud. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Nice work to you.